0: Hi and welcome to Leitrim Daily. My name is Breffney Early and you are listening to episode 102 of the podcast. It is Kiss My Arts and as usual we take our little dive into the world of the arts in County Leitrim. I'm joined today by one of the godfathers of theatre in the county, even though he's not actually a Leitrim man at all, but I think at this stage we'll give him his honorary citizenship. John McDwyer, welcome to the programme. Thank you very much, Breffney, thank you. Of course, well known through your work, with the Breffney players and most recently with the Bees Knees Theatre for the last 22 years. uh, You're no stranger to any of the arts venues around the region and further afield even across most of the country. Tell us a little bit about young John McDwyer and how you ended up moving from Sligo the whole way to Carrick and Shannon and also ended up in that little graw for theatre.
1: Graw for theatre goes back to when I was a child because my mother... um used to act in the local dramas that were put on for every Lent, and um, I was a great fan of the fit-up theatres when they came round as well. I I never saw anything other than uh, reality on the stage, really, so I was very um, drawn to it from a very early stage, but I suppose the real involvement with it came when I started working in Limerick in the mid-60s, and Tops of the Town was a big um, hit at the time and uh, the local banks had a Tops of the Town group and I was involved in that mainly with the Novelty Act so I was with that for two or three years and uh, then I sort of dropped out of it uh, theatre altogether for a number of years because I was travelling a fair bit around the country and um, I was never too long on any place to get involved but I came to Letterkenny, came back to Letterkenny in 1978 and my next door neighbour was chairman of the Letterkenny Vocational Players and he asked me to take a small part in a play, and I did. And the following year, he asked me to take a bigger part in a play. And that was it. I got kind of a bug then, and uh, I came to Tupper Curry in 1980 and um, to the Phoenix Players. And the Phoenix Players are a very good, very top class group, very serious about their work. And I like that. I like the aspect of uh, people trying to do things very well. And um, I was with them for four years. And then I came to and Shannon in 1984 and sort of naturally gravitated to the Breffney players. And by virtue of the fact that there was a play that I really wanted to direct, um, Brian Freel's Lovers, um, I got directing it in 1987. And uh, I directed the Breffney players then for 10 years, directed and acted with them for 10 years until it reached the stage where I was thinking of taking early retirement from the bank. And this idea for Bees Knees Theatre Company had been kind of uh, festering in my head for a couple of years. I was very frustrated by the fact that I had made a lot of friends in the festival circuit in different groups. Uh, and I was very frustrated by the fact that we'd never get a chance to work together. So we set up Bees with the view to giving these people a chance to sort of come together and work on a particular project and shake hands and leave each other at the end of it, you know. So we intended at the time just to prove the point uh, that it could be done that we would do it for three years but uh, we're still here 22 years later
0: in terms of your career as a bank manager hence the reason why you moved around a lot in terms of of that career and theater which one was really the love like was the was it work to live or was the bank just to, to pay the bills so you could go and act at the weekends
1: no 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 i mean i worked for 32 years in the bank and uh, I'd say if you were to take time times on it I'd probably enjoyed 25, 26 years of that you know uh, enjoyed most of the time working in the bank it was a, at that stage it was a, uh, a fantastic organisation to work for great times and great colleagues in it but there came a time when um, um, when you're working at, uh, 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 like at, at something like that you do need another outlet be it golf drama whatever in my case it was theatre and um I there just came a time when I felt that I was beginning not to enjoy it anymore, and uh, an opportunity came to depart when I was fifty. And although financially it didn't make much sense at the time, I think physically and mentally it did, and it, I think it proved to be a wise decision for me anyway because I was gone before the tiger even arrived. You know, so
0: in terms of, I suppose. The, the acting career and the the drama career let's let's rewind a little bit back toward the, to the mid eighties when you arrived in Cark and Shannon got involved with the Brefni Players and tell us about Lovers for, by Brian Friel and, and why that was so important to you to get involved in a production of that
1: I suppose in the case of Lovers it was the uh, particularly the two young people I I um, I could identify with. Um, their situation, not so much their situation, but they could identify what they're thinking, and uh, I just thought it was a lovely piece to work on. And uh, I had um, I had two uh, two very good actors uh, in uh, Gabriel Allen and Siobhan Talbot, so it was a joy working with them. The other part of it more or less looked after itself because the people involved in it were. Um, were natural kind of comedians, you know, like John Conway, and and Harriman people like that, Bridget McDermott. So that was particularly. It was a very successful production. Like we, we were beaten in an All Ireland final by America, and um, it, it was a very happy and a very successful. And it gave me a kind of an appetite for for directing. I I figured I can do this, you know, and I can get people to uh, to work with me on this basis. So I continued to direct from then on. You know.
0: Now, off air, before we sat down, we mentioned my first memory of of the theatre of actually going to a performance or a production and it would have been in St Mary's Hall and sometime in the early 90s I would have been maybe 9 or 10 maybe 11 at a push but it was a production of uh, Philadelphia Here I Come by again by Brian Friel and it's a really nice story where the same character is played by two people uh, a public version that the public world sees and a private version you get to see what's inside his head and it really made me think a lot as a 10 or 11 year old about just life in general, but it was a huge impact on me in terms of theatre, and you obviously were heavily involved in that, being the director and also uh, Gar Private on that night.
1: Yeah, I had to come into the to that production as Gar Private. I'd played Gar Private in uh, the Phoenix Players production ten years before that, and um, it was a play that uh, it's a very powerful play, and it was a play that changed my life entirely, and. Um, it's a bit of a long story because I subsequently got to meet and know Brian Freel in my professional career because I, um, well, it was actually prior to that I had worked with um, on a mobile bank.
0: Well, podcasts are there to be a long story. So maybe tell us um, what your connection with Brian Freel was.
1: Um, I, when I worked on the mobile bank in Letterkenny, uh, Brian Freely was a client of ours. He was a client of the, of the branch in Letterkenny and he came in to the van, literally, uh, either himself or his wife Anne. Most Fridays we would be up at his place in uh, Greencastle up there, and uh, so I knew him in that kind of capacity before um, I uh, worked on Philadelphia Our Lovers, and he was a, he was a, he was an awful nice man, as to say. I know, I mean, he was a real, real shy gentleman, and his wife Anne was a thorough lady, you know. So. I had that connection and when I when I came to work on Philadelphia um through working on that um, with Phoenix Players and Tobaccourry I uh found that I I had a responsibility to make a connection with my father that I didn't have up to that. No, we were there was no problem between us. We loved each other and probably knew we loved each other, but it was never expressed. And uh Freel examines this very thoroughly in that play of Philadelphia, you know, and there's a line in it where where private says to public, it's the young man's job to, something like, it's the young man's job to break the silence. So I broke the silence uh, through my work on that play, and I had eight or nine years of great happiness with my father before he, well, greater happiness, because we always had happiness, but greater communication and greater happiness before his death. So I owed. Um, Brian, Brian Freel a lot for that and actually I was I was um, in uh, Radio Airden one day recording a radio play of mine and Aidan Match was producing and when we were having a cup of coffee I told Aidan his story and Aidan said to me and did you ever write to Brian Freel and thank him and I said no, no I didn't and he says do you not think it would be manners but he says if you wrote something like that and it had such an, that effect on somebody and they wrote to you wouldn't you like to love to get the letter so when I came home from, I wrote to Brian and told him the background and everything and thanked him, and I got a most beautiful and charming letter back from him, you know, which I treasure to this day. So Philadelphia was a really a landmark play for me, and I was only too delighted to get directing it in Carrick uh, and Shannon for Brefney, and unfortunately Oliver, who was playing uh, Gar Private in it became ill three or four days before we went on stage and i had to jump back into the part 10 years later you know so I the got, show must go on i got two cracks at it yeah
0: how did it compare 10 years later as an older man with that relationship with your father Haven't been improved so drastically over the, that decade
1: well i was able to share that experience with the actors you know and i think it's very important that um that when you're directing a play that if you have a life experience that that is shaping how you're directing the play um i think the actor should know about it. they should have the they should have access to that you know and in turn it, it may it may encourage them to to give you access to what they're thinking in terms of what they're bringing from life experience to the stage because basically that that's how we ground a part so yeah it it's uh, it was um, it was helpful to me, very much, very much so, you know.
0: You mentioned the friends that you made through all of the various organisations that you were involved in, from the mm. Phoenix Players to Letter Kenny, through Carrick mm. and Shannon. What was the genesis behind setting up of Beesney's Theatre Company?
1: Well, it was that. It was the friendships, really, you know. I, I, I just felt that... You know, when we were competing and we were doing festival plays, uh, you would meet people from, you would be competing against somebody like Corn Mill and Kerry Gallen, uh, Bally Shannon players, Claire Morris players, Backstage Longford or whatever. And by virtue of that, I mean, the competition for most of the people in it was not, it wasn't life and death. So through that kind of company, you got to meet people and you got to know people and you said, I like that person's work and I like what they're doing, they're taking that seriously. And that kind of thing, wishfulness was in my head. Wouldn't it be lovely if we could get all those people or some of those people together who might never get the opportunity to work with each other and give them the opportunity to do that together? And, uh, you know, everybody bought into it so well at the start that, you know, it, it really looked after itself in those terms, you know, because everybody who comes into a Beasley's rehearsal room is deadly serious about being there. You know, if they're not, they won't be there.
0: How much of a, a change is that from amateur dramatics where the kids are need to be picked up and I'm a bit late mm. or um, I just I, something else came yep. up tonight? Yep.
1: It, it requires a huge discipline and people coming into it know that. Uh, it requires... Before we, there's a small saying that I have in the company, before we set a rehearsal schedule, people are asked what nights of the week or what dates can you not work? Uh, And let it be that they want to see a Champions League match. That's fine if they want to see that. But we need to know that. And then we set out the rehearsal schedule and then everyone is told at that point that the only reason for missing a rehearsal is a funeral. Their own. Provided it's their (laughs) own. And... you know, people coming in. If they're coming in, they know that they're probably going to have a lot of fun, but that, that there are demands, and that um, they will be respected, and they are expected to respect everybody else in the room. You know, so we yeah. very, very rarely there are occasions when you just have to say, "Oh no, I don't, don't come near me tonight." You know, if that's happened to you, you know. But in general terms, I'd say ninety-five percent of the time we don't have any difficulty at all how much
0: is the incentive of it's semi-professional or professional professional theatre company and everyone's getting paid for their time and their work how Mm. much does that make a difference to the the situation
1: well people don't get paid for working with us they get a reasonable a reasonable amount for expenses and if we have a very successful show they'll get a bonus on top of that but we budget on the basis that we're unfunded we've no funds from anywhere we have some corporate sponsorship that we're very grateful for that pays for our insurance and office admin and that so is that everything that we comes in the box office goes back up onto the stage um, but the we have we, we have professions in certain aspects of our work here and there and they have to be paid but in general um, uh, nobody nobody throws off in a new car at the end of a production you know but you do uh,
0: fill houses and that i think is a, is yeah. a huge testament to the quality of the productions the quality of the people who are involved in the organization we're going to talk before we finish up today about your upcoming run of your new play written by yourself called twilight which is going to be in the dock for four nights i think there's another um date in the the calendar as well somewhere that's we're taken. doing a
1: preview on top Corry on friday the 18th and then we're in the dock from monday to thursday 21
0: to 24 So for and this is going out obviously on Sunday which is tomorrow as so we're recording mm-hmm. this so it's Friday night coming, you're in Curry, mm-hmm. and starting tomorrow week yeah. you will be in the dock for four mm-hmm. nights and I think it's so important that I say get your tickets early if you want to go because undoubtedly it will fill seats everywhere mm-hmm. it plays mm-hmm. uh, that is the the esteem that the company has held around in, in the region Tell us a bit about that side of things, the how you manage to keep those people coming back year after year, tour after tour, production after production
1: well, I think we 're trusted um, we don't um, we don 't cheat you know we, we, we make every effort to put the best possible production we can on the stage, and um, we our logos is a, a good night out, and we try to guarantee that at every production. Some productions are more successful than others um, and that's to be expected. It just depends on the type of play we're doing. But in general terms, um, a lot of theatres will say to us that just the Bees name sells a ticket, that the name of the play is irrelevant. And that's a great honour to have achieved that, to have that kind of level of thrust from an audience that they say, oh, there's Bees and let go and see that, you know.
0: What have been your favourite productions you've done? Because you have done... About 30 productions,
1: 38 yes, tours? Yeah, around 38 tours, 38 tours and probably around 30 productions. Um, well, obviously, I've, you know, there's been great joy in, in seeing my own work on stage um, and, and that the company have bought into doing my own work on, uh, you know, will tell me when we're doing readings or whatever. No, that's not ready yet or whatever, you know, but... Uh, there's a great joy in that and the Leithram trilogy uh, has been a particular highlight of lovely Leithram Callahan's place and Unforgiven but leaving, leaving my own work aside um, I had huge, huge delight in doing The Kings of the Kilburn High Road which was a massive, massive hit for us um, I also enjoyed The Weir very much and I think we got uh, we got a lot of praise for that particular production and little gems like um, The Drawer Boy and Chooses with Mario are things that I love directing as well, you know. But I really, I get a buzz out. I've got a buzz out of everything that I've done with them, you know, with the group because um, they're so much fun to be with and they've bought so much into doing a production. Like, we are always trying to bring in new people as well. Like, we did a very successful summer tour this year of uh, Touch and Go and we had two people with us who had never worked with us before and uh, you know one from Sligo and one from Huffins, from Moor West and the, like the commitment that they're prepared to give to it is
0: well you know. Drummore West is a, mm. a fair crack away if you're coming two or three times a week for us ah yeah well we, we do
1: rehearse in Sligo as well and, and if we have people from that nick of the woods we will do it quite a lot of the rehearsal in Sligo before we move on to set here we get to build the set in Carrick and so we might be there for the first uh, four weeks and we might be back in Carrick for four so it's, it's not that bad and then the they try to travel with each other and swap around and things like that so it's not too bad but uh, that's the kind of commitment that, that's there you know
0: And the four and four is an eight week rehearsal time the general rule of thumb for yourselves? Yes yeah,
1: that would be it around 24-25 rehearsals we would we would work um full day a full day maybe every weekend in that where we would uh, that's very important especially when you have new people in that they get to spend a full day with other people so they have lunch together and everything like that and ice gets broken and stuff you know so that's important and um, around around 24-25 rehearsals yeah that doesn't seem like normal. No, but you're working with, when you're working with people who are very serious, you'll find that, generally speaking, after about 16 rehearsals, they're off script. Whereas if you're working with people that aren't serious, 25 wouldn't be quarter enough.
0: Yeah, I'm thinking back to some of my earlier stuff in schools and stuff where people were there because their friends were there, not yeah. because they necessarily had a undying ambition to be on the stage.
1: Yeah, yeah. well, there's a difference between... Senior football and junior B, you know, <laughs> and the junior B lads are there for the crack. The senior lads are there for medals. That's
0: we it. might come back to sport mm-hmm. before when we wrap up, but I want to move on to Twilight. It's written by yourself. Mm-hmm. Tell us about the story and where it came out of. It's not about vampires and no, falling in love. No no. no, no,
1: it's a bit of an accidental play. Actually, I was up in the uh, Tyrone Guthrie Centre, Writers Centre, in Curry, and I was writing. Trying to write a draft for a different play altogether, and uh, I had written the first draft of the first scene of the play uh, one morning, and was very happy with the morning's work. And so I went, I went down to the kitchen to have a treat myself to a sandwich and a cup of coffee. And I don't know what happened, but whether I got talking to somebody down in the kitchen or what. I can't remember. But when I came back to the to my writing desk. In the room, uh, this particular play, Twilight, was spinning around in my head, and uh, I was—I looked at the other thing I was writing, and I said, i leave that one side, because I'm not going to lose that now, that's there, and uh, I thought about this for an hour or two, and I, I wrote the first draft of it that evening, and it's developed now into four drafts, and I suspect... Following these performances, there will be another draft because there may be things that we will see in performances that people will point out to us. So basically, it's a a story about um, two elderly men, uh, myself and Tom Walsh, who uh, meet for the first time, having been school friends, great friends, drinking buddies, everything, uh, up until the time that... uh, Well, up until a certain time. And they meet for the first time in 35, 36 years. So the play examines... Why are they meeting now? Why have they not met for thirty-five, thirty-six years? Why are they meeting now? And uh, what's uh, what's driving them? What do each of them want out of the meeting? You know. So without giving too much away, that's it. You know, it's about an hour and fifteen minutes, and uh, all is revealed throughout the play. And there's a couple of twists and turns in it, and it's. Uh, it's uh, there's a bit of humour in it, but basically it's a fairly serious and sometimes dark play. Touches on subjects that you know pe- some people may find a little bit upsetting, but I mean if, uh, that's theatre's job, you know. So um, we decided to just do four performances or five performances, with it this year, just to get an audience reaction to it and see where where we're at with it. Uh, if the reaction is positive, we will do a national tour with it next year. If the reaction isn't positive, we will bury it with full military honors.
0: <laughs> in terms of the actual play itself, people can come along and watch. Where can people find out more information, and more importantly, where can they get tickets?
1: The best place to get to in, get the information about it is to come and watch it, because it's not really a play that I can, you know. Say A B C and D happens, and that's that's the play. Um, tickets are available at the the dock at um, 0719650828 or the dock uh, ie, and we run from Monday to Thursday, twenty one to twenty four. Uh, for the show in Tobar Curry we're we're joining up with the Phoenix players who are also doing a one one their one act that they're going on the circuit with. Along with us, so it's really a preview night, and tickets will be available on the door there. Both shows, in all cases, are at 8 o'clock.
0: And that's it, where in Tupper
1: St Bridget's Hall.
0: Just on the, on the diamond there, mm-hmm. and in the middle of the mm-hmm. town. John, you are a bit of a sports nut, and that's where we've, we've crossed paths mostly mm-hmm. over the last number of years, whether it's the showgrounds, or City Calling Stadium, or even Avant Park, Sean McDermott here mm-hmm. in Carrick. What is it about sport and drama that just gets you... Hot on the collar.
1: Well, our, our house was all a sports mad, you know. We, we, uh, my father was from Glenties in, in County Donegal, and uh, I don't know why, but he, he, he had a great interest in Sligo Rovers. And he used to always explain it by saying the great thing about going to the showgrounds is the match starts on time because this was an era when the Gaelic match was starting at half three you'd be lucky if the ball was thrown in at ten past six you know and there was, it was neither make nor shape on, on the guy at the time so when I was a child uh, I was brought to the showgrounds and I vividly remember my first ever game in the showgrounds and I, I've been going there ever since, and every season when the new season opens and I walk in the gate and I see the goalpost down at the Nazareth end, I know that life is all right. You know, it's just, it's just a thing. Uh, and but we we were mad about everything. We played cricket when I was a child. <laughs> we played cricket in the field at the side of the house. Like we didn't know what we were at, you know, except you threw a ball and fell out three days with a bat, but we used to listen to Wimbledon on the radio. <laughs> It's a bit like having Irish dancing on the radio. All you could hear were <laughs> <coughs> advantage, so and so and so and so. But we we saw the pictures. You know the pictures are great in the radio, and we always saw the pictures. So that that's the kind of thing that was. Uh, you know, you name it, we'd we'd have an opinion about it. We'd know fake all about it, but we that wouldn't stop us from having an opinion. So, I uh, I watch any sport basically. You know, um, I. Um, I, I was just say, saying to, to somebody this morning, uh, I was telling them I was in Longford last night, and they said, God, what will you do when the Rovers finished?" I said, so I'll go to in the Mallard.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, okay, that, that's hardcore, because I was in Longford last night as well, <laughs> yeah. and it was a cold night and not a night for extra time, but unfortunately that's where we ended up. Um, so is what, there's one home game left, I think, against...
1: One home game against Dirty, and unfortunately I'll mention, I, I missed that one, because... Um, the Kilfenora Kelly Band are in playing concert in the Hawkswell that night and there's no way I'm missing the Kilfenora. <laughs> so
0: when it comes to the arts versus sport, the arts still wins it?
1: Well, no. I mean, to be honest about it, if I realised we were playing Derry, I probably wouldn't have booked <laughs> Kilfenora. But uh, no, that's the way. There's some, things, there's some things you don't want to miss and Kilfenora in concert is one of them, believe me.
0: Absolutely. Well listen John, just a reminder for people, they can get themselves to your show over the next ten days or so, next Friday in St. Bridget's Hall in Tobercurry, and also then the following week, so tomorrow week, Monday to Thursday, in the dock in Carrick and Channel and tickets on the door for Friday night in and They can book in advance, but they will obviously probably be available on the night as well. But the advice is get in early and and get your tickets for whoever's going to come with you. Bees Knees, always a good night out, as you say yourselves, but I think you can uh, you can vouch on that one. And um, thank you so much for dropping in for a little conversation with us. It's been great chatting to you, and I'm sure we'll see you in the showgrounds next year mm, at thanks. some point. Thank you for now. having me, Brevney. Yeah. No problem, my pleasure. That is uh, episode 102 of the show. Thank you very much, John McDoire, for popping in and having a chat with us. It's really appreciated. I will be back tomorrow with a roundup of the county finals taking place in Park Sean today. Of course, Glen Carmaner and Balinamore, Shauna Heslands in the senior final, while Leitrim Gales and Drumkearn do battle. The intermediate game throwing in at 1 pm, while the senior game throws in at 3 pm. Will you be going yourself, John? I'll be there. <laughs> well, so will I. <laughs> and I'll be talking to some of the participants and some of the people floating around Park Sean over the next couple of days on the show. I'll be back tomorrow with the sports roundup of the weekend. Talk to you then.